Welcome to the Horror Movie Podcast. My name is Jack. Thanks for downloading and uh, tuning into this episode. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Ballou, lead singer, creator of the presidents, the presidents of the United States of America, and he is Casper Baby Pants. Chris, Woo-hoo. welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am the creator. And the man, apparently. You are no, the, the man, the man. So I am the man. So everybody has to pay their taxes to me. You're the, oh, you are the. I I kind of did set I'm, that up. You are the man. I, so I'm, yeah, I'm Batman. Oh, we're working. Ag- wait, hold on. We're working against. We're, we've been taught to work against the man, though, right? That's true. I, but see, I've secretly I've secreted my way onto your podcast by posing as a creative person. So, but I'm really the man. But we trust. <laughs> see, wow. but we trust you. You have a very trusting. Uh, uh, way about yeah. you and your music, and uh, we're huge fans <laughs> of your music. Jared, uh, uh, Jared is also on with us, and Hello. Jared, Jared reached out to you, and you were so yes. you were so cordial, and uh, we were so glad that you decided <laughs> to agree to this. So, well, thank you. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of went to film school. I actually went to art school, really. Okay, but I found the other artists to be sort of I don't know. Mm, they 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 squandered away their days in their little cubicle making their paintings and yeah. didn't really share a lot of ideas or communicate with each other very well. And I started dating a filmmaker and started going to her classes and cool. um, was very much more intrigued by how filmmakers depended on each other and you know making a movie was such a monumental task and how easy it would be to make a bad movie and how incredibly hard it would be to make a good one. And so I grew to have this appreciation for filmmaking and movies. And so, you know, it's something I like to talk about. And uh, I kind of went to so many of her classes that I feel like I got a little bit of a film degree. That's awesome. uh, Yeah. um, You picked out, um, and we'll talk more about this movie, but you picked out a great, horrible movie, uh, Smoking the Bandit 2. Uh, What's your first, first experience with this movie? Well, first I have to say that my first pick for this podcast was Smokey and the Bandit 1, the original. Which makes sense, too. And, which I haven't seen in a long, long time. <laughs> but I watched it, and it was great. It I was, enjoyed it. Uh, there's a lot of nostalgia really, in that movie, yeah. You have to talk about the first one just a tiny bit to understand why the second one is so bad. <laughs> that, that's exactly the first right. One, the first one is perfectly cartoonish. I mean, the characters are caricatures yeah. of selves in a way absolutely you know they we don't go deep we don't understand a lot of motivation they're just these cartoon characters basically um you know sally field's character is leaving her husband and everything but it doesn't go deeper than you know (laughs) i'm jumping in a stranger's car on a highway and having an adventure we don't hear like about what happened or why we're not asked to though so what's that it was a trans am a t-top trans am so it makes sense that she would want to hop in yeah yeah I mean, I'd want to jump in that car, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, like, we're not asked to care about the characters, but we come to care about the characters because they don't demand very much from us, and it's so much fun. So then you get to number two, <laughs> and they start to try to peel back the onion and uh, make you care about them. So that was became the obvious choice. Once I started watching number two, I was like, oh, we got to switch over to number two because... They're trying to like make a real movie here. <laughs> it is not working. Well, there's not a lot of not a lot of universe there to build to, and uh, yikes! So, has anybody seen Smokey and the Bandit three? 
Oh, it, it Burt Reynolds is not even in it. I think he makes a cameo at the end. Jerry Reed is basically takes over as the bandit, oh and he kind of does. <laughs> and no Jackie not, Gleason, right? Is he in it? Yeah, e- even the preview for Smokey the Bandit Three is bad because it's basically <laughs> just like three minutes of the movie. Oh, you know, man. they just like say, "All right, the preview is going to be from this point to this point." <laughs> It's so bad. And the the thing that, I mean, I guess we're just launching into what's wrong with Smoking the Bandit well, too. Well, you're uh, glossing. Well, there's a lot to be said. So, well, yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, I yeah. mean, okay, for, first of all, Burt Reynolds' character uh, is heartbroken. He's an alcoholic. You know, we basically get to see the hero, our, you know, our hero right. who goes on the quest in his biggest, <laughs> you know, worst <laughs> state, you know. Why do we want to see that? We don't want to see that. We want to see him heroically pulling off jumps and like evading cops and right. smiling and laughing. And here we are, we, like the very beginning of the movie, we get to see him completely a broken man. He's a shell of his former like, self. And it, oh, it's like it's pulling, sad. The, the whole movie. The whole movie is like pulling back the curtain and allowing you to see the the how the sausage is made. And it's just not a good sausage. It's not even not good good pork sausage. sausage. It's which is is, high quality artisanal sausage. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, it's, it's like the leftover grub worms and the, uh, you know, centipedes left over on the cutting room floor. It's not even Mm. actual meat. It's, uh, it's really sad. So tell us. The only only bright spot in this movie is Jackie Gleason, who is consistently just, Buford T. Justice delivering the one-liners, <laughs> yes. super annoyed. Yes, we never we never understand anything more about Buford T. Justice than what we get in the in the first movie. So that's a success. Yes, He's it great. is. Yeah, absolutely. although although they do the three, he plays three parts, and mm, I don't like that so the, much. Oh my! But well, the other two parts are so cartoonishly stereotypical. They're like offensive. You know, his right. cousin. His cousin Gaylord. Right. It's like what? It's like what was? It was like what was? What, what was that? And no, then the, read, the Canadian Mountie guy was like, okay, that's not that. Not Reginald, that Canadian. Yeah. I saw on the internet that those characters are kind of throwback to some other characters he plays, like recurringly. Oh, really? Yeah, I I didn't really follow that trail to to find out more about those characters. I bet, I bet he mentioned that on the set while they were shooting, and they're like, "Well, let's <laughs> use those." <laughs> hey, I got this great other accent that I'm going to do. Um, let's just throw away in there. They got they yeah. got to the four they got to the forty minute mark, and they said, "Wait." 40 minutes doesn't make a movie. We've got to fill this in with something. Yeah. So it's, uh, well, yeah, that, and that whole scene. So those three, those two other characters show up and they stage this big ambush, right? Yeah. Just so lame. Really I lame. mean, like Jackie Gleason comes on the radio and is like, bandit, I'd challenge you to take a left. And of course the bandit could just be like, no, no, <laughs> but well. he's, but he's obviously the, the, the crappy version of the bandit. So he's like, yes, and he goes and takes the left, and then um, I have a feeling like they were like, okay, like you said, like 40 minutes doesn't make a movie. I think they were looking at their watches. They're like, okay, we're an hour and a half in, and we haven't crashed. We haven't crashed enough cars, so let's just have a giant sort of, you know, yeah. smack them up derby. Total. Uh, well, let's just, uh, let's let's talk real quick. I would like you to tell the fans one thing. Um, let's. Tell the listeners about what you have kind of going on currently. Oh, yeah. And then uh, anything else that you want to talk, tell folks about, uh, this is your yeah. time. 
So okay, my time. Yeah, I just want to talk about smoking the bandit too. No, <laughs> <laughs> that is life. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, in my world, let's see the uh, the presidents uh, put uh, hung up our hung up our uh, spurs. Okay. <laughs> uh, in Jan- July of 2015, two okay. years ago. And so that's been put to bed, and that's that was a great run. We, you know, we were a band on and off again for 23 years, and Damn. had a really good time, and made a lot of great music, and had yeah. a super fun time. And so that's been kind of put away. And uh, for about four years or five years before that, I started uh, Casper Baby Pants, which is music for families and kids and parents. Actually, very much for kids and parents. Really, it's parents' music. It's not kids' music. <laughs> when I'm making it, I consider the parents about 85% of my decisions are for the parents and about 15% are for the kids. So right. if there was a genre called parents' music, <laughs> I'd be first in line to sign up. You'd be number one. Uh, it's like songs so, like uh, Hobo Baby. Yeah, Hobo category. Baby. Yeah. Hey, we were, yeah, we, yeah, totally. we, we were listening to Hobo <laughs> Baby the other day, and it's, it's, the, it's the best. Well, thank you. And that's based on an old folk song called Little Susie or something. Uh, I, I base a lot of my stuff on old folk songs and old uh, spiritual music and even uh, work so- prison work songs. And, cool. Because I feel like that music has integrity. And if I sort of um, – it's all public domain, so I can kind of make it my own. Right. And, uh, Baba, Baba Black Sheep, right? And you do a Yeah, stuff like that. that. Yeah. And then, yeah, the classic nursery rhymes. But finding a way to do them so that they're kind of – I don't want to be irreverent with them, but I want to move them forward in – you know, aesthetic comp- complexity and right. kind of give, give them a little something so the parents don't want to stab their eyeballs. Well, out. because <laughs> we, I have a, my, my wife and I have a six year old. Uh, Jared yeah. has a five, five and, and four, four, mm-hmm. and mm. we we both know, as you do, Chris. Uh, <laughs> Phil has a infant, very very small child. Yeah, she'll be one next week. And so you listen to the same songs over and over again. Mm. And my son yes. never got into Barney, but he did get into like Yo Gabba Gabba and things like that, which that actually, I, what you do is in that same same vein. Can I say that? And it yes. makes sense. Um, oh, yeah. And totally. it's, and it's qual- yeah, like yeah. what you do is really high, high quality, on, like in that genre, which I think is awesome. So. Yeah, and it's a it's a challenging. Thank you. It's a challenging genre to be in. Um, couple, sometimes parents come up to me at shows and they're like, "Dude, this must be amazing. You know, you you're making music for little kids because you can sing anything you want." And I'm like, <laughs> "Actually, it's exactly the opposite. In the world of you know grown up alternative music, you yeah. could basically." sing the dictionary through a distortion pedal and be really <laughs> important and deep. Whereas with this music, I got a kid's music, I got to have the vo- vocal and the story right up front. And every bit about that, everything about that has to paint an accurate picture and have a little bit of a story arc or, you know, be intriguing or uh, inviting or, you know, every word has to be in the right place. So it's actually really challenging, which is why I have my 13th record coming out in August it's called awesome. Jump for Joy mm-hmm. and I have no end in sight. I've got so <laughs> many songs recorded, so many ideas, and that challenge of entertaining the little kid and the parent and kind of finding the balance and and crafting the songs so they're minimal and uh, intriguing and not, um, I don't know, too repetitive or annoying. Right is an endless challenge. It's super fun. 
I love it. Is, is that um, it's one of those where you keep the length a little shorter too, right? Because that that way the the repetition doesn't become. You know, yeah, in some day, cases, yeah. in some, you know, I have some songs that are more ballady that go on three plus minutes, and uh, there's a, a song on my lullaby record which is almost seven minutes long. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> uh, it's my Hey Jude, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I I just enjoy short songs. I I really like short songs because when it's over, you get the sensation of I want to hear that again, or you know, like a, a short song that kind of doesn't demand too much of you is a nice thing i think because it like gives if a short song can give somebody like a melody they can enjoy and an image they can kind of groove on um and they want to hear it again then that's a great feeling cool. i like that instead of like you know if you hear a song and you're like well i never need to hear that song again because it went on for <laughs> next <laughs> yeah hey, hey chris how much involvement do you like a lot of your songs have youtube videos that my yeah. kids love watching too. How much involvement do you have with that? Oh, all I'm. I'm total make creator. All yeah. Um, well, the ones that are like line drawings, um, really simple. I make myself. So, so I those do are your hands of, drawing the the stick figures. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I do all that stuff, and then there's sort of like pro style animated ones, which are uh, some guys in New Zealand that I've been working with for years called Muck Putty. And then I've made a bunch of videos with this woman, Charlotte Blacker, in the mm -hmm. UK, who does the stop-motion animatronic stuff like Stompy the Bear and Pretty I Krabby. Love Stompy. Yeah. So she's, <laughs> she, I just found her on the internet, and she, her, she made a little movie that won an award, and I just emailed her and said, hey, you want to make a video with me? And we've been working together ever since. you got to be Same careful when you ask people on the internet that, though. Yeah, you want to make a video with me? <laughs> <laughs> For children, I mean, <laughs> oh, yep, that's true. Uh, so yeah, uh, and then yeah, I enjoy doing the ones myself. And then I've started working with this guy Todd um, Webb uh, for the new album. I've got two videos out already for the new album. One for a song called Blackberry Pie, yeah. which Todd illustrated, and then one for Froggy Went a Courtin, the yeah. classic tune, which I uh, um, illustrated myself. Cool. And your wife yeah. does does your wife do the album art for you? Yes, I wish my wife had the patience to make all the characters I needed for animation. That would be amazing. <laughs> but she's off doing her own thing, making original art, and she sells uh, her art at the Pike Place Market here in Seattle. Cool. And and she and I do books together. We have two books that we're finishing up the proofs on now uh, that'll have songs that go with them. And we have about four or five other books that have songs that we have out now. And her artwork is really the inspiration for why I make this music. Um, her, I was outside the presidents. I was experimenting for years, trying to find. I had this impulse that was telling me, okay, the presidents are great, but it's not your final destination. So keep searching. And I kept searching and searching and failing and not finding it over maybe 15, 20 years. I'm poking around looking for something else. And then I met Kate and her artwork just spoke to me. It was like, I want to make music that sounds like that art looks. <laughs> That's I want to awesome. make, yeah, cool. Yeah, I want to make something bright and folksy with animals. It's well made. It's colorful and simple, uh, but you know, obviously has some integrity behind it. And yeah, I did that. And uh, when I listened back, a giant cartoon light bulb went off over my head because I was like, oh, I was supposed to be making kids' music this whole time. <laughs> so are you recording? So, uh, figured it out. So are you recording this music at a studio in Seattle or just at your house? Or you have like a how, studio how? in your house, right, Chris? Yo, yeah, it's just a laptop and one mic, basically, that I bought 
you what? know, many years ago, I made 13 records with a, a laptop and a mic. I, I don't want to be a, a troublemaker here, but I get a little confused when people start a Kickstarter campaign and they need $50,000 to make a record. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> Makes understand you laugh, huh? that at all. What, uh, <laughs> riddle, hey, riddle, riddle me this one. Okay, so you're, the first President's album, what was, was there, did, did the label give you a budget and say you have X amount of money, or they had a studio that you, they're like, you're going to record at this studio? Or how did that work? <laughs> we got a guitar we with all its strings. That, we, well, we, we kind of made that record three times in a way. So okay. we made a demo t- uh, at a place called the Laundry Room, where the Foo Fighters eventually would right. record their first, or Dave Grohl would make his first record. Right. And um, that was like a deal in the newspaper, like you know, twelve hours of studio time for three hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. So we went in and did an entire demo tape uh, with like ten songs on it uh, in twelve hours, and four of those songs ended up on the debut untouched. Okay. Like just cued a little bit, but not re-recorded. Kitty and Bull Weevil, and right. uh, can't remember a couple others. And then uh, we did nine new songs with this guy Conrad Uno at Egg, and he was just a you know local legend. Kind of uh, recorded the Young Fresh Fellows, one of our favorite bands, and um, so that was kind of a loose deal. And and we worked with Conrad, and he put out the record on Pop Llama. Then we got signed to Columbia, right. and we remixed the nine songs we did with Conrad right. and remastered the whole record. <laughs> were you and tired of the, Were you tired of those songs by that point? Like, were you like this? Is, yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, it's funny in our minds as a band. Every time we went to make a record after the debut. We had this mythology about the debut that it was so easy and it was so punk rock and it was just like, you know, uh-huh. hang a mic in a room and play the song, you know. Yeah. But it was a complete mythology because I was going through a bunch of my old notebooks when I moved recently and there was a notebook from when we were recording that album and I opened it up and it was just full of notes and like revisions and, you know, uh, directions to myself about how to cut and edit and remix this and you know wow. bring this guitar up just a little bit anyway it was like mm-hmm. evidence that we had uh created this false mythology that the first record was super easy it was a lot of work yeah we cool. kind of made it three times <laughs> um you real quick your second album okay second one on columbia let me ask this yeah. question. My wife and I were talking about this literally the other day before I knew you were going to come on here. <laughs> volcano. Is Volcano volcano about a party? Mm. Sorry, I just ate a cherry. Mm, hold on. Are you, do, you need, do you need resuscitated? Mm. Mm, it's oh. no peach, but it's pretty good. Okay, okay. Um, let's see. Volcano. So there was a band that got signed to Columbia called menthol and no capital sorry they got signed to capital because for some reason somebody i we met when we were looking for a publicist we didn't end up hiring but she worked at capital records and as a nice gesture she put it put me on the promotional mailing list for capital records wow so whenever capital would make an album i would just get it in the mail (laughs) uh including the beatles uh anthology series which was a nice thing to get in the mail uh, so I got this record from this band, Menthol, and it was amazing. The words, the imagery was so weird and unique. Like, he wrote a rock song about Francis Scott Key writing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> it, and it totally puts you there on the deck of the boat, And but it's cool. also rock hard. 
So I love this band, and Volcano was me attempting to write a menthol song, basically. A song like the imagery was really thick, and I just had this idea of a boombox and a volcano and taking the words that describe both and knitting them together. So that's what that's about. It's like an exercise in visual uh, lyric writing, kind of. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Anyway, so yeah, my wife and, and I left record is super yeah. good. People should check it out. Um, we were phenomenal. So anyway, we love your music. Yeah. I'm saying this Why honestly. Think? When Jerry was like, "You won't," because I, I was on vacation in North Carolina, and literally when I when I say I was in the woods, we had a bear called. We named him Trashy the Bear, <laughs> and he kept breaking <laughs> into the trash like you know canister thing that you have when you're around bears. I don't know, but um, so we were like no signal, literal no internet. And so one day we went into Asheville, and my, I saw where Jared had called or texted, and I was like, what? Blows my mind. So anyway, then I thought it was funny that yeah, my wife yeah. and I were talking about that before. But Well, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, flattering. Yeah. So. It's flattering. You know, I come from a long history of, uh, well, back in the day when I was just starting out, I realized that I had to redefine what success meant to just be – I'm going to write a song, I'm going to record it on my four track, I'm going to put it on a little cassette, I'm going to go busk (laughs) in the street and sell my little cassettes, and that is success. I was like, okay, I'm done. I didn't want to feel like I was going to rely on a greater, kind of bigger, traditional kind of success to be happy. So now that I have achieved that bigger success, I'm kind of back now to the DIY little, you know, make my records and... and, uh, Sell to people, and fortunately, it's really connecting. So I'm not jaded when it comes to people saying they like what I do because I um, I know what it's like to not be given a lot of validation, mm-hmm. and so it's well, you've I earned, don't take it. You you've obviously <laughs> earned what you've gotten. I mean, it's like like you've put a lot of work into it. You have a a noted style, especially the like the way. I mean, you have a you play a, a three string guitar, correct? Yeah, three string and two string and a one string. <laughs> right. So it's like, like to what? me that like the one the tone that you get, and you you play all. Uh, by the way, is it tube amplifier? Right. New that that's that song kind of is a quintessential sound of your guitar. So it's yeah, like that, yeah. that sound in general. Like when I think about that, like uh, it's just amazing. Like to, I don't know. Anyway, it's stupid. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna mark no, out. I'm gonna I'm gonna mark out on you now. So just no, saying, it's but. cool, man. It's a um, it does influence how the music sounds because you spend more time going up and down the neck of the guitar rather than maybe shifting mm-hmm. uh-huh. around down low, and somehow the movement of that kind of um, kind of makes the chord changes seem a little more dramatic, maybe or obvious. Also, it sort of refocuses how I play riffs, and I don't end up playing stuff that sounds real stock or like you've heard it before. Right. Because I end up like the two-string bass I use; it limits me. I can't do, you know, like the kind of bass line that you've heard a thousand times before. Right. I have to do something weird. So I've got this one string. I just. (laughs) That's this so- is a one string that <laughs> so- Mark Sandman from Morphine uh, gave me. Uh-huh. It's my first guitar one that I played. One string, ladies well, and gentlemen. Well, it's got one. It was a two string for a long time, but I'm enjoying it as a one. <laughs> yeah. So cool. There's, so a, there's cool. a dude. 
There's a dude named Brushy One String that uh-huh. is one string guitar player, and he's awesome. He's got a song called Chicken in the Corn. It's really good. It goes like, Chicken in the corn, but the corn don't grow. No, 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 no. Chicken in the corn, but the corn don't grow. Chicken in the corn, the corn don't grow. It's an awesome song. It's amazing. So is that like, do you come about to be a one string or two string bassist on purpose? Or is that just, oh, broke another string? It started out that way. I had a six-string little nylon string uh, guitar, and I broke a couple strings. Your first guitar, right? I think I've seen that video online. No, no, that one I have here in my studio. This was like a little kind of beater classical guitar that I had a pickup in, and it was when I was living when I was living in Boston. And I actually didn't have that guitar that I in that video was in Seattle with my dad, Mm -hmm. so I inherited that later, but. I broke a couple strings and I went down to four and I found all these weird chords and with four strings. And then I met mm-hmm. Mark Sandman who played two string slide bass in a band called Morphine. And he and I started hanging out and I went over to his house one day and he had a bunch of his two string basses, which were real basses and the strings were raised up so he could play them with the slides. So you couldn't really finger the or fret those oh, guitars. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then he had, but he had one sitting there that he had experimented with. He'd put two strings on a guitar that you could fret, and I picked it up and just went that cartoon light bulb, that same cartoon <laughs> right, light bulb. Same one. Yeah. Same one. Same yeah, one. Same it one. hasn't burned out yet. Yes, it won't. <laughs> and I was like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. This is this is twice as good as the four string because it's twice as you know weird and unique and easy and. So yeah, it just felt it felt like home. Like, oh yeah, this is this is what I'm supposed to do. So yeah, when it came time to do the presidents, I was like, well, we need a two string and a three string. That way, we can do you know more complex <laughs> chords and stuff. Yeah. And Dave Dieterer, my old buddy from high school, who I played with a lot back in the day, he was willing to play three strings. So I was like, okay, you're in. Willing, willing to play yeah. three strings. <laughs> well, he's a really good guitar player, and you know, oh it's yeah, a little bit, yeah. You know, Andrew too, our second guitar player. He's a great six-string guitar player, and it's a little bit like giving a drummer a cardboard box, giving you know a real guitar player a three-string, and they have to kind of reinvent everything and yeah. lose a lot of their gags and their tricks. And right. So it's kind of a it's an ask to make a a proficient six-string player play a three-string. Right. But I, mean, I love it. That's cool. Well, it's a unique unique sound, and you have. Uh... Taking it and uh, taking it to the top, the top of the three-string, two-string mountain. Yeah. <laughs> which what? is a small mountain comparatively. No, but what are you talking about? A mountain <laughs> on the west. Yeah, anyway. Sounds like a ride at Six Flags. Two, three-string, two-string mountain. Sorry, <laughs> but no. There is a. Uh, there's that movie that just came out, Kubo and the Two Strings. It's a. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I've seen it on great. Netflix. It's amazing. It's fantastic. You know Ooh, what? You know what else is? It's no Smoking and the Bandit you know, too. Yeah, I gotta say, no. you know what else is fantastic? Smoking and the Bandit too, <laughs> coming to NBC this fall. Okay, so, um, so check it out. It's time on this podcast for deets. So it's time for some deets. I said that screwy. Okay, uh, Smoking and the Bandit two, directed by Hal Needham. Hal. Uh, did a ton of Burt Reynolds movies. <laughs> you know, I read that um, somebody was giving him grief, and so he took out a full-page ad in Variety of him sitting in a wheelbarrow full of money <laughs> as his response wow. to the grief that he got for Smokey and the Bandit 2. Well, he, he, started, amazing. he started out <laughs> as Burt Reynolds' uh, stunt double in things. Yeah. And turned mm. into a director. 
There he is. Wow. Mort Engelberg produced this, written by Michael Caine, Jerry Belson, and Brock Yates, which if you are claiming that you wrote Smoking the Bandit 2, what's that say, Chris? <laughs> I don't know. All I know is Michael Caine has no link in Wikipedia, so I think he's trying to stay anonymous. Yes, he is trying to say, <laughs> I'm here to punch up some witty repartee. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Based on the, how Needham created, by the way, the whole world, this huge, uh, you know, expansive world that is the Smokey and the Bandit world. The Bandit verse. How Needham is the creator of that. And um, so he created it, starring Burt Reynolds, uh, famous for a <laughs> beautiful mustache. And his stint on yeah. Celebrity And the Jeopardy. laugh. Don't forget the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's, it's kind of it's kind of like that. What is it that uh, Snidely Whiplash's oh. dog in the, in the Hanna Barbera cartoon? <laughs> Mumbly like, the dog. <laughs> got a little bit of that going yeah. on. Uh, Jackie Gleason, like you said, is the main. Uh, the now main... wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That cartoon is about a, a race, like driving in a race. I wonder if that dog <gasps> is supposed to be Burt Reynolds. Ooh, I got it. Okay, go on, go on. Okay, Sorry. so Jackie Gleason, uh, Jerry Reed, who wrote Eastbound and Down for the first one. Great song. Well, in this one, if you notice, the opener is the song called Texas Bound. Yeah, it's dumb. It's like a, a total ripoff of, <laughs> of Eastbound and Down. A total ripoff of your own song. Like, why, why would you... Okay, so Chris, you have been contacted by Hollywood. They've said, hello, Chris, we're Hollywood. You're in charge of the soundtrack for Smoking the Bandit 2. What do you do? I mean, what's the first thing you do? First thing you do is write a song called Westbound and Up, Empty and Sucking. This song's not going to be the movie. Westbound and Up. Yeah, that's, you just do the opposite. Just, oh, that just killed me a little bit. Just... Oh, but, but in the same band, it's like, why wouldn't you? I mean, I guess they couldn't play Eastbound and Down, so it's Texas Bound. So dumb. It's just so obviously a just, it doesn't have any of its own legs to stand on. It's just Mm-mm. this, uh, no. yeah, shallow. A, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's almost like. It's almost like everybody who was making it was distracted. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, wait a minute. What am I supposed to do today? Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to be making Smokey and the Bandit too. Right. Okay. 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 Well, and, and you could tell they pieced the whole movie together that, that way a little bit because of the way. And we'll get into that when we talk more about the movie. But oh, Dom, the editing. Oh, my uh, yeah, God. So bad. Dom yeah. DeLuise. You can't beat Dom DeLuise um, on The yeah. Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, like in the you oh, know, I know. 70s, 80s. Those. <laughs> I love it when Dom DeLuise and um, Don Rickles are on at the same time. They're insane. Cream pies flying around everyone's faces there. Um, And then, hey, you you said Jackie Gleason was a high note. Hey, Sally Fields is a lovely person. Yeah, Jackie Gleason and Sally Fields, they both, their characters, although, eh, yeah. I mean, she's, she's, she's sucked into the bandit's stupid vortex of self-loathing a little <laughs> bit in number two but she does remain like her character is intact yes. although why does she go back and try to marry junior again i mean well, that's well, i'm like come on that's that well, there's a prequel I, I, don't, I don't know if you saw it but there's a prequel to this movie that came out and uh what it's called the little, love little of smoky froggy froggy uh <laughs> buford t jr and little Little Smokey, never mind. I, I, what? I, I, I just no. made that up. That's a joke. Um, okay, a really stupid right. one. Edited, edited. Just so you have me there. Okay. Well, maybe we. Sh- 
can we create this, Chris? Would you be willing to create the se- the prequel? Yeah, we need to. Yeah, it's like uh, the Star Wars thing. We need to get in there and do the like in between movies. Get a little Jar Jar and um, <laughs> call it good. Um, Big Enus and Little Enus. Little mm-hmm. Enus is Paul Williams' Rainbow Connection, man. Oh yeah. And Pat McCormick, and then like I said, a cast of thousands. Many people that are in this are noted celebrities, mainly country music stars like Don Williams and Mel Tillis. Mel Tillis, the, the Statler, Statler, yeah. the Statler brothers. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, release date August fifteenth. 1980, um, great. Uh, budget 17 million and box office 66 million is what it made at the box office. So it made money, quote unquote, made money. That's a drop in the hat compared to Smokey One, which had a budget of 4 million and made 300 million. Think about that. That's wow. A, that's a lot of cash. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's obviously why they made a second one. Jeez. I mean, that's <laughs> the only reason. I'm, you know, you can kind of tell. Burt Reynolds will sign on for that. So, Okay, so Chris, yeah. I did not give you a warning about the next thing I'm going to ask of you. And, you know, if we want to tag Jared or Phil in for this, we can do it. Um, normally, we do, at this point in the show, we do something called 30-second synopsis. Okay. You have 30 seconds to tell <laughs> us, the just spoil the whole movie from front, right. to, front to back, but you have 30 seconds to complete it. All right, ready? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Ballou and his 30-second synopsis of Smokey and the Bandit 2. Chris, go. The Republican Party needs an elephant. I don't know why, but they need an elephant. So they uh, go and they find this big guy and this little guy and this big guy and this little guy go find this other guy who drives a truck. And the other guy who drives a truck knows a guy who used to drive a car, but now he's an alcoholic because he's sad. And they get the girl that made him sad, and they put him in the car, and they drive around, and they go across the country with the elephant, but the elephant's pregnant, and they pick up an Italian weird doctor who's round, and then they uh, have the elephant have a baby, and they get into a canyon with a whole bunch of cop cars, and there's a bunch of crashing, and then all of a sudden, they find some way to get the elephant out uh, into the highway, and they end the movie there. They never show him arriving. All right, so 36 36 (laughs) seconds, but Uh, it was a a glorious 36 (laughs) seconds. It's the best 30 seconds in offices ever for me. So, um, yeah, that's, so that's oh. the thing that baffles me about this movie is the end. They 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 put the elephant and the baby elephant in these like an, little elephant little red puller. elephant cart things. Yeah. Attach it to the um, Trans Am. Yes. And then drive out into the road very slowly, and then the movie's over. <laughs> Like they never. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, uh, I, I didn't finish the run there, uh, Broggy. But uh, you want to get married? Uh, okay. Yeah. Whatever happened? What happened? I mean, <laughs> finishing the run is the. How can you have the movie where they don't finish the task? It's like the hero's journey where they're just like, well, we're three quarters of the way there. The end. Well, I, I think the the reason is is because Smokey and the Bandit. The the task is the run, but in Smokey and the Bandit two. The task is the existential crisis, oh. and, and they completed that. <laughs> yes. And, and so once we have that, there's no need for the run. It's a deeper, Burt Reynolds found himself. This is a much deeper you know? movie than the previous. <laughs> right? So. Anybody? Yeah. yeah. I mean, even the even the bloopers at the end are embarrassing. Like that one where the very first <laughs> he's like, uh, well, "Let's get right to it." She's like, "Or remember?" He, he says her line, yeah. and then it's like kind of stiff, and he's like, "Well, this is good stuff. Let's keep this rolling." It's not good stuff. <laughs> it's just good stuff. Well, yeah, I'm Burt Reynolds. Not good stuff. No, the, the very last line of the bloopers reel is, 
Oh, it's all crap anyway, so let's just take this one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really felt like Norm, Norm McDonald, have you ever seen him play on Celebrity Jeopardy on Saturday yes. Night Live? He, yeah. as Burt Reynolds, is is actually really accurate as this as this Burt Reynolds. It's like, man, he's a shell yeah. of himself. Oh. Yeah, it's amazing. And he still had, Burt Reynolds still had Evening Shade ahead of him. Did you ever see any episodes of Evening oh, Shade? Yeah. No, I don't know, which, it's I don't a know TV, what that is It's a all. TV show that came out. You were rocking the planet whenever uh, uh, Evening Shade came out. So it would have been early, probably early 90s, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And it's this, it's a, it's, Burt Reynolds is like a football coach in Evening in Shade, Arkansas. Arkansas. Jared, yeah. Jared is from Arkansas. Woo. He's from Jonesboro. And this, sounds like an, this sounds like sort of an extension of The Longest Yard. It is, except like, it, it's after he got out of prison. <laughs> but, but, yeah, right. Exactly. And he's a coach now in a little town in Arkansas. This is before they al- didn't allow felons to be teachers. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, okay, so let's talk about the plot here a little, real quick here, uh, Chris. Uh, we'll start out Big Enos and uh, Lil Enos. Or Big Enos <laughs> is running. <laughs> Lil Enos is his rap name. Uh He's running. Big Enos is running for governor of Texas. Makes sense, right? Don't you agree? That would make sense for him to run for mm-hmm. governor. And why not? Uh, and he's uh, going against another guy. John Cone is that guy's name. But you don't even really care about that person. Um, Big Enos drops cow manure on John Cone. Cone yeah. retaliates with red paint on the Enos family. Yeah. The other governor calls him in to the um, to his office and says, "We can't have this. We, we're in the same party. You can't. We can't be fighting like this." And so then Big Enos overhears that the republic or the republic convention in Dallas needs this elephant delivered, like you said in the thirty second synopsis. Yeah. Why would they need this elephant? Do you think? I mean, I, I mean, I know the Republican Party. Their their mascot is the elephant. It's All right, well, that's improbable plot element number one. Yes. <laughs> Let's keep track, all right? It's, it's, all, it's uphill. And no, I'm it's getting uphill a post-it yeah. note here, and I'm going to put down number one. I'm yeah. one, oh, one hash tracking. What? Okay. Yeah, it's improbable. But we hire very improbable people to take this journey on. They track down Snowman, uh, that's Jerry Reed's character, at um, a diesel truck race. Yeah. The, now, growing up, now you grew up in Seattle, is that right? Uh huh. Okay. Growing up, now I know where I'm from in this in the woods down here in Missouri. We, you know, we grew up around things like, yeah, you know, diesel truck races. Dirt I don't know about you. And, oh yeah. Well, I should I should oh. say that it, to a great degree, I am also from the woods in Missouri because that's where my family's from, Fayette. Oh, but Central Methodist University is there. That's right. That's right in, in the smack dab in the middle. How about that? Nice. Cool. Uh-huh. So I, I I'm familiar with Missouri, and I, whenever I'm there, I fall into the my <laughs> you, accent starts to you know come out. So that's phenomenal. I still got lots of family there in Missouri. Well, we're in Missouri right now where we're recording this. So yay! Yeah. Okay. Missouri, <laughs> show the show me state. Um, so yep. w- these diesel truck races are everywhere. I don't know. Like I said, in Seattle, I'm sure you guys have them too. Um, oh yeah, there's one going on right outside my house right now. It sounds like it. <laughs> I wonder what that was. <laughs> um, uh. So. Um, he gets hired. Uh, Snowman gets approached by Big Enos and, and the Little Enos to uh, hire some unknown contents uh, from Miami, the elephant capital of the world, to Dallas, right? And um, he has to go and talk the bandit into this. 
Right. You described the bandit as a shell of his former self. Um, yes. This is a sad man. Would you Would you agree? Very sad man yeah. at this point. He's passed out. He's alcoholic. He's heartbroken. He's got no mojo at all. Mojo. <laughs> he is no mojo. mojo free. And what was awesome about this for me was that I love movies that include a training montage. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, he raced race horses at one point in this training montage. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like holy lord! Uh, I they, know it's out of control. Um, That's impossible plot twist number two. When <laughs> you when now here's the third one. I'm going to call the third one right now. When you were married in the um, sanctuary the, of the chapel, okay, in the main part of the chapel there, or wherever you were married, um, was there a phone on the little desk right there? Yeah. <laughs> How is? I mean. I, in in that, the, when they remake yeah. this, it'll be a cell phone that goes off or a text. But all right, number three—that's num- improbable. Yeah, plot twist number three. Got Buford, it. Buford T. Justice Jr. <laughs> is very, very compassionate. Uh, Tor, what, what's up with that character oh, anyway? It's sad. Yeah, man, is he brain damaged or something? It's I, really I, sad. This person. Yeah, and, uh, he needs a that that needs to be a movie explaining who the hell he is. I would watch <laughs> I would watch that movie actually but you, yeah. Justice Jr. I mean Sally Fields a respectable character in the first one. How does she fall in with this character? Twice. Yeah, th- th- you know, there really does need to be a prequel, I think. This is this is not a bad idea. <laughs> she sees a she sees a Frankenstein's monster type quality to him or a beast from like Beauty and the Beast scenario. It's that Justice Fortune. Oh, and then, well, maybe that too. <laughs> Which, well, you know, although I can see, and I'm suddenly imagining in this prequel that she's an intelligent <laughs> person, but she's living where, like, okay, where, where are they from? Where's Buford, Texas? He's a Texas man. Dude. I, it yeah, it right? seemed weird, right? He's mm-hmm. in Texas, right? But I, I couldn't so figure she, out the geography I, of where maybe, we were at sometimes in the movie. Maybe uh, she is settling because she doesn't feel like she has any choice, and yeah, she's kind of no, like, okay, yeah, I gotta. There's not a lot of know, options. I, I gotta be realistic. I gotta be practical. I'm not stupid. I'm just gonna, you know, marry this guy and and do the do the traditional thing, and then <laughs> is there you know, a Buford but, Justice the Third? I, <laughs> maybe there <laughs> ought to be. We the. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they so they um, train him up. He's back now. He's he's alcohol. Well, he may not be alcohol free, but he's he's no. free enough to be a functioning human again, which is good. <laughs> right. Um, they they go to Miami to get the cargo. They find out that the cargo is actually an elephant. Right. <laughs> that was my best attempt. At that. There it is. There we go. <laughs> um, so the elephant becomes the star of the show. What's the elephant's name? Charlotte? Charlotte, yeah. Yeah. Well, because they give it that name. Yeah, and the Statler Brothers have a Louis song. Because Don Elvis says yeah. it reminds him of his Aunt Charlotte. Like, <laughs> kind of smells like smells. her, too. Gosh, yeah. Don DeLuise. <laughs> okay, um, so they um, load up the elephant. They drive across Florida. I, I have to point out yeah, the, back, the backflip that he did on the elephant. Oh, my gosh, yes. That was amazing. Wait, what? When uh, they let him out of the container and the elephant's about to trample Sally Field, Burt Reynolds pushes Sally Fields, and then the elephant does some weird trunk maneuver to backflip Burt Reynolds onto his back. And there's some high-end harness harness work that was done. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> this is before CGI. CGI. So. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, that is incredible. Um, so then uh, they they then go to um, they they stop in Florida for some gas at the most. I don't know. This gas station attendant is the most boring human ever. He's asleep listening oh, wait, wait, to wait. some record. Is that the one where? Is that the one where he says to the bandit that he's a asshole? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh no, that was no, right? no, no, no. Is- that was later. No, that's later in the movie. That's later. Yeah. What? what <laughs> why do all these people know about Bandit from the first movie? He is a legendary folk hero. Oh my God. Everybody yeah. knows. He's like a Bigfoot. Have you seen the CB networks in, down south? Chris, did you ever have a CB radio? Oh, yeah. My mom, you know, actually because of this movie. So I went, well, not this one, the first one. I went with my mom when it, the first one came out and saw it and loved it and went home and played Smokey and the Bandit <laughs> with my cars and trucks all day. I love it. And because I was so into it, my mom got a CB radio for her Mercedes. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. class it up. She had an old, she had an old uh, 64 Mercedes, like nice. super funky old one yeah. and um yeah so she got a cb and we started you know trying to use it and what was your hand yeah so we were we were totally into it uh breaker breaker this is a uh, big j uh did you I, have a handle chris a cb handle i don't remember what my handle was i i think i did but i don't remember <laughs> it mercifully i'm sure it was pretty silly okay yeah um what's also silly is this movie and um basically <laughs> They um they figure out they get Dom DeLuise to diagnose the elephant is pregnant and uh, then basically this the middle part of the movie we we see this a lot of movies especially bad movies the middle is just this Keystone Cops madcap like back and forth mush um, yeah but it's also it's also the middle is also like the bandit being vilified for wanting to risk wow. the health of this elephant it's true whereas the rest of the whole crew is like sympathetic and wants to give up the endeavor. Yes. To respect the wild, the safety of the wildlife, and bandits this jerk, yeah. who doesn't care. Uh, I want a hundred, uh, four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah Burt uh, Reynolds. I'm Burt Reynolds. Uh, we meet in the middle of the movie. We we meet uh, Pittsburgh Steeler great Terry Bradshaw, Pittsburgh Steeler uh, great Mean Joe Green. We meet Joe yeah. Klecko, offensive lineman. Does not get as much uh, respect because he's an offensive lineman. Joe Klecko, Mel Tillis. Um, we get Don Williams, who, by the way, I don't know if you've ever listened to Don Williams, Chris. Don Williams. Not a son. Oh, you, hey, I'm, ser- I'm serious I was... about this. He has a lot of talent. Tulsa Time is a great song, but he has some <laughs> deep cut. 17 number one hits, Chris. I'm telling you, actually, one of my only positive takeaways from this movie was like, oh, that's interesting. He's, he's, his songs seem to be a little more he's legit. complex than the average yes. country fair. So, I yeah. Love, I, I love Don Williams. He kind of... This, he sort of reminds me of my dad, which is really oh, funny because yeah? it's like this kind of not southern, but kind of the, you know. Anyway, I won't get into that. Yeah. We won't digress. Yeah, to it's that not. Point, so, it's a little more. It's kind of almost a little. Yeah, he's uh, avant garde or he's something. He's got it going way. on. Don Williams has it going. He's a, on. Anyway. He's, maybe he's a little bit Leonard Cohen. I don't know. He's smart cat, so I don't know if he's smart. Yeah. I can't say that. I've never met him. So, um, right. but he's got mean mutton chops in this movie. Um, is he still alive? He is still alive. He's he still tours a little bit. He's come through. We're really close to Branson, where we're at here, oh, okay. and he's been in Branson a few times. Which that that tells you kind of where you know. I mean, he's an older guy, yeah, sure. so you know that makes sense to him. So doing the Branson shuffle, yeah, gotta love it. 
got to love it. He's Branson good. Um, Branson good. Branson. He he hey, he's he's Branson good. Um, so the so Froggy, um, uh, Froggy wants Bandit to hold off on this trip. Get let this ba- let this elephant have this baby. Give the elephant a chance to birth a baby elephant. Yeah. Uh, Bandit is not having it. Froggy says, "See ya. I'm out of here." Yep. And that is a hilarious scene when she says, "Okay, that's it." And she, they're they're by the sailboats on a beach or something, and oh, yeah. she turns to leave, yeah. and the music <laughs> swells as if we're watching Casablanca. Oh, it's, you know, a, it's like, high. This is high art, man. This is high. Absolutely art. inappropriate amount of like <laughs> saccharine emotion to the like. No, <laughs> there, there is a now, true reason to that emotion. Is that Bert and Sally were a thing? But they were going through a breakup, and Bert wanted Sally to write that scene so that it would be more oh. raw and, and and feeling. Little cinema verite, yes. yeah. This yeah. is maybe the best part of the movie. Really? Then this is the most genuine. Well, it kind of is because actually, her face, despite the music, her face when she's walking away, she she does a great <laughs> job with that scene because I think she's going to break halfway through the. And start departure. laughing. <laughs> no, no, turn around and go oh, back. Oh, okay. Him. I thought you were going to say she was uh, just like breaking character and going, oh, is this over? Uh, <laughs> like looking around. Can I stop good, walking? <laughs> so that, that scene is weird because it's at once like probably the worst scene in the movie and maybe one of the best acted on her part. So that's, that's a weird um, So uh, Snowman, Bandit decide we're going to take this elephant to Texas. They had this contraption, this net contraption that the bandit created on a drawing. How and, did he hoist uh, the elephant? Uh, which, he, which, he built, which he built as a poem he was working on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, are you writing me a poem, bandit? Uh, yeah, I'm Bart Reynolds. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the, the movie, movie because movie is the best, exa- best uh, response to that, Jared. Um, that's why. Yeah. Movie, movie says movie. We we need this, so movie says movie. So, right. <laughs> um, Buford T. Justice, he has been foiled over and over. I've really not been covering this, but it's basically Coyote Roadrunner this whole point, this whole time. Yeah, and time. and Buford T. Justice calls in some help. He calls in his Canadian Mountie uh, Van Justice, who's his cousin, and the very hetero Gaylord Justice uh, okay. that he calls in. Um, a man's man, if you will, for, the, for 1980. Um, Literally a man's man. Oh! <laughs> Whoa. I love it. Oh, man. Okay, so can somebody explain how the Mounties got a whole troop, whatever you call the the Mountie Mounties from Canada to Texas in that span of time. Well, yeah, I mean, no. really. it's remarkable. And plus, I love his entrance to the, the song. <laughs> it was yeah. so off. Like, the soundtrack was so off in that. Like, and, it, and uh, Jackie Gleason is just like hamming it up and just <laughs> off. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah, opera. you got to be a little embarrassed for Jackie Gleason at this point. I mean, he's. You know, he's a giant, you know? Yeah. He's amazing. He is amazing. But, 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 you know, to his credit, he does, besides the split screen three character thing. Yeah. Which that's he, not, uh, that's he not does a great fault. job with that's, Beaver yeah. Deep Justice. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's always in character. Uh, he, and he yep. is funny. Like, uh, Jared and I watched this together, and I did laugh at Jack, because Jackie Gleason is, I mean, he is a legend. I mean, he's the, he's a legend. I mean, he's awesome. Yeah, believable. Yeah. Um, they chase, they get chased through the de- desert. There's a big chase through the desert. 
Have you ever been to Dallas? You've been to Dallas. You've played in Dallas. Have you ever driven through East Texas? Oh, yeah. It's not a desert. No, there's, that's Arizona, wherever <laughs> right. they are. Right. West, West Texas by El Paso is, nothing, is a desert. Yeah, nothing between Dallas and Florida looks like that. No. Oh, anyway, so they, they drive through yeah. the desert. Um, you think, you like you said, um, the bandit gets uh, coerced into turning left uh, by <laughs> Jackie Gleason's character. Mm-hmm. I, I dare you to take a left. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he does it. Yeah, uh, Burt Reynolds, uh, like, take a left. Sure, here we go. I, I love every shot of Burt Reynolds during this next Ugh. 10 to 15 minutes. It's just that that dash cam of him. Yeah. You can tell he's reading lines right below the camera and just yelling them into the camera for 15 minutes. <laughs> I love the snowman during this time too. He's just like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh my, over and over again. Just yeah. like trying to hang up his CB. And yeah. Put it down head. a bunch. There's a lot of that. A lot of him talking to the CB. Hey, good buddy. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like reaching up and putting the CB back up a bunch. And it's like, uh, yeah, he's why always, are you even talking right now? Laughing, talking uh, to his dog Fred. So, for those yeah, of you that, that haven't seen, I had a hard time looking at Fred's face because his eye Aww. sockets are so droopy that oh, all you see droopy. is like yeah. red crap below Aww, his eyes. Poor old, he's like Flash <laughs> from uh, Dukes of Hazard. Harsh looking dog, man. Yeah, he's like Flat uh, <laughs> Boss Hog's dog Flash from. Uh, or is that or is that Roscoe Pico trains? Uh, you know, do you think Dukes of Hazard would have existed without? Smoking the Bandit? No, I mean it's ba- it's car no. jump car jump based television shows. Yeah, it's really like where Coming it started. Coming this NBC. Oh gosh, <laughs> sorry that <laughs> I, I have this this shtick I've been doing a lot lately where I make up fake television shows for NBC to produce and oh yeah, I, I do that a lot where I say who doesn't Coming to NBC <laughs> this fall and then I'll make up some TV show. Oh so. sure. Anyway, um, so twenty plus truckers. Come to the aid of the bandit, the legend, the folk hero that is the the, the bandit. Twenty plus truckers, f- all flanked, coming across. It's this is like a scene from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. They're uh, they're merging to save Mordor or whatever fictitious place they're trying to save the Mounties and Gaylord's friends and um <laughs> and Smokey's friends and versus the oh. truckers. Golly. Yeah. Rat, and then it's basically this uh, big demolition derby. I mean, this was 15 minutes of movie just. Oh, it's insane. Crash them up. Yeah, people yeah. Like crash them up. I think they up. just concentrated like all the car crashing into this one part. <laughs> I, th- I think you they know? got a group of third graders and said, okay, kids, how many different ways can you smash <laughs> yeah. these two Hot Wheels together? And, and then they just yeah. went from there. <laughs> just have right. fun. Okay, so really then the bandit escapes this. He outruns the Smokey one more time as the Smokey, uh, as, as the Smokey, who's the Smokey? As Smokey um, uh, falls through, gets his uh, accordion c- uh, car out, drives it awkwardly Aww. down the road into a swamp. And <laughs> That is hilarious. That scene, though, i got to say, <laughs> when he, they're in the car and Jackie Gleason's still in character, he's like, Junior, give me your handkerchief. <laughs> what, what, Why, Daddy, Daddy? Just give me your handkerchief. And he gives him the handkerchief and he starts rubbing a little spot on the dash. That is so good. <laughs> bug guts. <laughs> it's got some bug guts. Um, that is just awesome. Hey, but, somehow. Yeah, yeah, that was, no, it was, it was fly. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what he says, too. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So, um, so Smokey finds, <sighs> finds Froggy and oh, says, look. No, See, be, wait, wait, yeah, being it. Say, sorry, hold, sorry, hold, sorry. Hold on one second. You're calling her Froggy. Her name's Frog. You have a song called Froggy, so in my mind, yeah, I, I keep saying that, Froggy. Okay, so that's sorry. why you're calling her Froggy. Okay, sorry. got it. Okay. Sorry, dude. I'll move on, move on. Sorry, man. No, no, it's okay. I just want to make sure you knew it was Frog. I was gonna start, Let's I get, this is very important. You yeah. need to get this right. Important. Frog is in the house, and Frog uh, is sitting on a park bench, and... Uh, Bandit says, I, "Hey, I uh, went and took. I didn't didn't finish the run. Uh, took the elephants to some animal refuge, and he we said, can be together now. I, I I like myself now. Yeah, <laughs> is how he ended that. Really? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the fact that our hero, the this guy, this folk legend, would even doubt himself for a second is totally th- unnecessary." And so, wait, have you covered, have we covered yet the spot where he gets harassed by the gas oh, okay. station attendant? Uh, this is uh, a couple, uh, probably about 15 minutes before this, there's, they're, they're making their final push on the run. He pulls into a gas station, <laughs> and he walks in, and the guy sees him, and then what's he set, what's, like, set it up says, for us, Chris. Are you the bandit? And he's like, yeah, I reckon I am. Oops, dropped my sunglasses, sorry. Uh-oh. He's like, are you the bandit? Yeah, I reckon I am. And he's like, well, I got one thing to say to you, bandit. And he's like, what? You are grade A, you know, of all the, um, of I, I all the assholes. And, what did he say? Like, you're in the top five. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, you're in the top five assholes of all time or something like that. He gets all offended, and then he chases him into a into a back room of the gas station and grabs his shirt through the slats in the. Yeah, he thing punches out the door. Yeah, bandit's threatening to beat this guy to a pulp, and then this, that's it. The scene's over. Like, no, you just made it to number two on my list. So okay, so why? Yeah, Chris, you have been in music videos, right? Yeah. And you've acted in these music videos, so yeah. you have a higher acting credit by far than any of us. Yeah. Method wise, <laughs> and you've been to you've been to, to film school. So That's true. Why why would they insert that scene into this movie? Because they shot it and it took up five minutes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean it's just so fundamentally wrong to have his like to have the bandits awesomeness be questioned at all is completely it's like a Fonzie it's like a Fonzie yeah, situation it's just another case of like oh we've gone down this terrible path that we have to just keep going down yeah we made a bad decision uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, gosh so, so anyway uh, there you go so Happy why did, why did the bandit well, change his heart they get the you know they get the elephant in the thing like I said and then they just basically the movie just stops there's no <laughs> actual just it stops. It doesn't end. It stops. So <laughs> Maybe that's a fade into Bandit Three. Ugh. Well. Oh God, I can't even bring myself to watch a minute of Bandit Three. No, I like can't. I said, especially <laughs> after this, you're just like, I, I can't imagine what that would be like. Well, I watched the preview, just thinking, oh, I'll get sort of a, you know, I'll get the gist. Yeah. But again, the preview is just More. four minutes of the movie from point from like say I don't know ten minutes into the movie to fourteen minutes into the movie. It's like more of there's this like, stuff. There's no. It's not a miniature. It's not a preview in the traditional sense. It's just a slice of the movie. It's very beautiful. Weird. Yeah, 
Like they're so lazy. They're just like, oh, preview. Yeah, just, nah, there you go. <laughs> well, in the band at three, there is no band whatever those in this four movie. minutes are. That's what uh, you'll get the gist. Okay, well, let's do this. Goods and bads. What are some goods of this movie, Chris? Oh, definitely Jackie Gleason's character, Sally Field's character. Um, both of them don't really. Jackie Gleason is the best because he doesn't compromise him. His his character doesn't get compromised. Yeah. Well, the three way <laughs> thing is a little weird, but that's not his it's fault. A, it's a toss up. Yeah, it's a toss up between Sally Fields and Jackie Gleason, and they're uh, ma- trying to maintain their integrity through this piece of poo. It is rough. Uh, Jared Goods, you know, I enjoy a good smash up scene. I, I think if they could have left it on the surface of just a driving movie with smash up scenes, it could have been better. Uh, it was kind of spoiled by the the character development, but I, I like a good smash up scene. Okay, Chris, what are some bads in this movie? If you could isolate, let's just really unwrap the bads. Um, if you could I, I would isolate say biggest, a couple. Yeah, well, I'd say one number one biggest bad is the script. Is the whole idea that Bandit is um, falling apart. Uh, number two would be the editing. The editing is just yeah. really awkward yeah. and clumsy and. And they left in stuff that has no need to be in there. So this movie could be like 20 minutes long, and it would be great. <laughs> it could be <laughs> like a, a weird... little voiceover. Yeah. Uh, Jared, some bads? Yeah, I mean, like a Chris couple. said, the, the editing, the, the weird takes, the just face-on dash cam was, was a really bad cut for me. And it just, I don't know. Just, ugh. Um, ugh. Let's do this. Uh, and it was, I mean... Uh, it might have been better had I not just come off the heels of watching Smokey and the Bandit 1. But in light of knowing that plot, and this is the exact same thing, just trying to go a little deeper, that made it pretty yeah. bad. Uh, Chris, yeah. let's rate this movie from one horrible being being kind of bad, kind of bad, to five horribles being uh, acid into your eye sockets <laughs> um, at a you know a high speed. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna go with the four. I, right. It's not I like I, I uh, the little kid in me did love the smash up scenes and Jackie Gleason's witticisms and yes, like sort of the nostalgia walk of watch, watching the first two movies again, or you know the second one. Um, so yeah, I'll give it a four. Four, okay. It, was, uh, it wasn't acid, right? It was not acid <laughs> to your eyes yeah. at a very high rate of speed. Um, I think I'll go with the four too. Okay. Four yeah. is a good number for that. Um, I'd say Smokey Three is probably a five-ish, probably a seven and a half thousand, probably. <laughs> yeah. Anytime Absolutely. you say Jerry Reed, you're the main star of this movie. Gosh, um, I think That's you're tough. in trouble. Yeah. Um, okay, so Chris, real quick, what have you been into lately? And that can be book, TV show, music, movie, video game, anything. Yeah, right. Currently, my my uh, obsession is the Anthony Bourdain show, uh, Parts Unknown. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I kind Anthony of Bourdain. for some reason I you know I'd see it on the Netflix and I'd re- I would like eh, I don't want to watch that cooking show or food show, but he does such a great job. Um, I started watching it because his previous series, uh, No Reservations, they used a ton of my music in that series. Really? <laughs> so I have. Yeah, I have like an 800-piece library of licensable music that I 
gave to a company that licensed it has been licensing it since the wow, late nineties. So, and um, he's so smart. So you're so you <laughs> made you made um, um, music that people can purchase to use as yeah. like backing music for scenes and things. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And it was kind of at the beginning of when reality TV started busting a move and, and they need a lot of music cues, a lot yeah. of small music cues for those things. So I was kind of in the forefront of this, uh, for this company who provided music for a lot of early, like the real world and yeah. you know, that whole <laughs> burgeoning reality yeah. TV thing. Right. So that of course is kind of dried up. Well, it's, it's a long story, but, um, People anyway, he used making their own probably in those situations. Yeah, he used, yeah. yeah, there's just – well, there isn't like one big company doing it now. That They've branched out – the people who need the music have branched out and have used – they use like 50 or 60 mid-level boutique mom-and-pop type licensing companies mm-hmm. instead of the one big clearinghouse, which was where all my music yeah. was. Interesting. So anyway, the bottom line is he used my music a lot, and, and I would be like, oh, I should watch that show, but eh. <laughs> And then I started watching Parts Unknown, and it's awesome. That's cool. He goes to all these incredibly, you know, a big variety of places. He talks to people about the culture, the history. Um, you know, he gets to know people and gets to know the food uh, and links the culture and the people and the history and the food all together in a really cool way. So it's like these little kind of capsules of knowledge about all these different places around the world. Mm-hmm. And he's got a funny attitude. He's, you know, he's a recovering crack addict and okay. he's, he, his life hit rock, much like the bandit in smoking the bandit right. too. His, <laughs> his life hit rock bottom yeah. wow. and he's pulled himself up by his bootstraps, but he's not fully pulled up by his bootstraps. He'll still like, you know, like the episode I watched last night, he's in, um, Sicily, and he gets so drunk that he doesn't remember anything, oh and so he's narrating the scene of him while he's blacked out drunk. Later, you know, he's, he's like, "And right here, I don't remember any of this." <laughs> wow! <laughs> he's having dinner with these, you know, his hosts and stuff, and he's like, "The the voiceovers all like, I have no idea. I'm told I ate this stuff, and uh, we had a really good time." And <laughs> so, oh man. I like his I like his attitude. It's like unconventional and kind of punk rock and very uh, enlightening. So nice. That's my current thing cool. that I'm just. So, I'm so glad there's eight seasons. I'm like, whew! I'm in season two and I'm just digging it. Oh wow, it's cool. And this man. is on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix for free. Cool. Good show. Um, Chris, where can people? Let me think about that. Uh, I I don't know if you do Twitter or Facebook or. Any, any? Yeah, I do those things. Okay, sure. um, where can people? I, I, I just never know. Like, I, where, um, where can people kind of uh, follow you or just kind of uh, keep up with Cap, Casper Baby Pants or any, anything else you've got going on? I think the best one-stop shop is my website, actually, which is babypantsmusic.com. And then through there, you can get to Facebook and all that kind of stuff and listen to music and see videos and there's lyrics with tabs if you want to play the songs there's stories about each song um there's all kinds of stuff so yeah website's a good place to start babypantsmusic.com and you do um (laughs) you do live live performances live shows yeah and um i actually i'm on what am i on now let me see. Uh, I think I take the summers off, so I've taken three months off, and I'm about to go nice. back to work playing shows. Let me see. I'm looking here. 
but I think I'm approaching a thousand. Yeah, I'm at nine hundred and seventy-five shows. Wow! So you're, uh, and is that mainly in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, mainly. I occasionally go somewhere for the, if the, for the right gig. If it's a, yeah, if it's like a like I'm working on a series of little shows in Mexico right now in Sayulita, so that would be like a quality of life decision. It wouldn't make a bunch of money, but it would be you know they yeah. provide me with a a little cabana to stay in in Sayulita and for a week and you know it'd be fun and so I'll do stuff like that. I've gone to Australia for two shows. Um, I've gone. I've actually played in Austin, Texas, yeah, uh, South by Southwest, so yeah, New York, and yeah, I do. So I do a few things. Cool. Uh, like that. Yeah. Oh no! Actually, in Austin, it was Austin City Limits. The oh, festival. Oh wow! That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. But that's kind of rare. I like my home. I like my family. Yeah. Um, I like my bed. And <laughs> I, I toured for twenty three years pretty consistently. And right. Uh, so my big line now for people is: if you want to see me, you got to come to Seattle. Yeah, you'll. You yeah. Get, I've been on tour for twenty three years, and now it's your turn. And people do it. I just got a message. This morning, from some people from uh, Montana that are going to come out for a show. That's awesome! Um, wow. Yeah, if you come out, if you travel to the show, you get to re- make a bunch of requests, and you know, so you get to hear the songs you want. So cool! Awesome. Yeah, you're a uh, two-time Grammy-nominated artist, correct? Yeah, and, and I lost to Nirvana and the Beatles, so I don't do that about. That. You don't feel so bad about that. No, I'm pretty um, good. That's phenomenal, man. Well, I am. Um, we are so glad that you agreed to do this. I I enjoyed it. I don't know if you enjoyed it, but yeah, it's cool, man. It was okay. Yeah, Jared. Good time. I mean, Jared's the classic. Hey, here on the on the horrible movie podcast, where where, where it's kind of horrible to talk about movies. Um, <laughs> you know, it it was mediocre. I give it a, a man, three. Well, you know. Chris, I really wanted you to come back, but Jared's. <laughs> Finding ways to make, maybe, maybe make that not happen. So, yeah. Hey, right. Anytime you come up with a movie, you want to come on again, um, we would love to yeah, have you again. Guys, yeah. I'll so. keep you guys in mind if I'm watching a movie and it's super bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if I need to vent. Yep. You know. And even if you just want to come on and rant for 10 minutes, you just feel free. We would love to have you okay. back. Sounds good. If you had a bad time, if you have some enemies, just say, hey, you should call the horrible movie podcast and yeah, yeah, off. yeah. <laughs> Again, Jared doing that great sell job that he's so well yeah. known for. So, uh, all right, Chris, uh, we'll say a, a bit of fond uh, howdy doody to howdy doody. Bit a fond hello to Central Missouri for me because okay. um, I love that. I love that that region. Fayette and Columbia. Now, did you ever play at the Blue Note in Columbia? No, no, I've never played in my my dad's home. That's where my dad my dad grew up around that area. They were sharecroppers, so they wow, moved okay. all the time. But he was born in 1921 and uh, left when he wow. was, I think, 18 or 19 to go join the Navy and uh, was stationed up here in the Northwest, and that's how he met my mom. Okay. But, yeah, so, uh, but no, I've never played anywhere. I think I played in Missouri back in the 90s, but you know, I know you played in like uh, Lawrence, Kansas, which is where KU's at. You played there a couple times, oh, yeah, right yeah. now, And then, um, and my cousin Steve lived there, so uh, I guess <laughs> Steve. Steve and my, that's neat. And uh, my uncle Paul, mm-hmm. no, my uncle Harold lived there. He was a bit of a musician. <laughs> he he was so funny. He's like real kind of country boy, and you know he had all <laughs> his, his like instrumental songs he made up, and 
he kind of he's real modest and stuff but he sheepishly kind of put him on a tape cassette for me back in the 90s and when we were coming through and he gave him to me and i got home to seattle and i listened to the tape and it's these you know little ditties and stuff and he doesn't say anything it's like four or five little instrumentals and then it finishes and he kind of leans into the tape deck and he's like well there you go such as it is i suppose if you got any mice on that bus of yours this will scare them away <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sounds like I'm my like, kind of guy. So that's the Missouri humor, right that is, there. That's that so. is very <laughs> dry, dry wit. Real dry, self-deprecating, mouse-based. Yeah, mouse-based yeah, mouse based wit. Oh. Yeah, the other classic line that was often quoted was my dad's aunt, who used to put on these ginormous spreads on Sunday afternoons. Uh-huh. You know, like all the farm hands would come and eat. Yeah. And her big line was, "We ain't got much, but you're welcome to what we have." Aww. You know, but and meanwhile, it's like this, you know, monster for a king. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got much, you know, like <laughs> uh, funny, cool, bud. All right, guys. All right, thank you. So, yep, thank you so much, man. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, Chris. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, here's hoping they don't make a Smokey and the Bandit four. If they do, we've already, you know, you're contractually obligated now. To they got the theme song. Come on, yeah, Pacific yeah. Northwest bound, loaded up. And, it's like what? Oh yeah, yeah. wow! They'll empty go to truck and, yep. No, it's empty truck and sucking. <laughs> they'll go to they'll joke, they'll go to Japan. They'll go to if it's like Bad News Bears. They'll go to Tokyo Japan. Drift. They'll go to Japan for the fourth one. So oh, that would make yeah. sense. So all right, Chris. Totally. Thanks, buddy. They gotta, they gotta get like they gotta get like four hundred pounds of sushi. You know? <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Except they'll they'll. Oh, no, no. They gotta get four hundred pounds of sushi back to L.A. To for put, a party that like Lindsay Lohan is throwing, but oh they my. do it in boats <laughs> instead of cars <laughs> at full speed. Round. Uh, Burt Reynolds, uh, ramming speed here. Here we go. Jump the way. God, I think we're, I think that's got to get done. That's got to get made. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. we'll see if we'll see if we can't it. get it picked up. I'll write the script. And you, okay, use, good, you use all your Hollywood connections, and we'll, uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll make it happen. <laughs> all right, boys. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Horrible Movie Podcast is powered by RevolverPodcast.com and Orange Tie Web Design Marketing and Branding. The Horrible Movie Podcast can be heard on great stations like 105.5 KFGM in Missoula, Montana, from Missouri to Missoula, 88.1 KZGM, South Central Missouri's public radio station, and weekly contributions on KPOV 88.9 High Desert Community Radio. Listen to us on iTunes, thehorrormovepodcast.com, revolverpodcast.com, and anywhere podcasts are found.